Hey, my name is Jalen Cornell Burrow, and welcome to my podcast, Practice, Train, Compete Inside the Mind of an Athlete. Hey, welcome back to another episode of PTC Percent Inside the Mind of an Athlete. I have my cousin as a guest today, Kobe Jackson. Explain who you are, why you're here, and what intrigued you about doing this. Uh, yeah, so I'm Kobe Jackson, as he said. Um, what intrigued me about doing this um, is mostly because I'm an athlete myself. And it doesn't really just go into just the sport, but what really goes behind the sport. And a lot of people don't see that. They just see the outside looking in, but they don't really know what's happening in the inside of a sport or an athlete. Um, and as I said before, I'm an athlete uh, getting ready to go play professional basketball. And yeah, I'm excited for this uh, this interview. I, I explain your path. Like, so basically from started basketball to where you are now. Just yeah, all right. So I believe I started around four years old playing basketball. So um, I was playing co-ed. I always played up. So when I was four years old, I was playing co-ed boys and girls, five through seven. Then all the way up until middle school, uh, once we moved to Vegas, I took like a year off, got a little sluggish, lost my game a little bit, but then I got right back into it. Um, fast forward to eighth grade, I was already playing uh, 17U and AAU basketball. So uh, a lot of people kind of knew me just from that. Um, and then I went on to be a freshman, started as a freshman for the first six games until the senior point guard got back, and then I was six man. Um, I made all state team as a freshman. And then sophomore year, um, Went to a state championship. We lost close game. Junior and senior year, we went back to the state championship, and then we went back to back. Then after my senior year of high school, I uh, didn't really have any Division One colleges like I wanted to attend, um, mainly due to my size. So I decided to check out Canada, and, and I went out there, played for the University of Alberta in Canada. It's it's like equivalent to Division One if we were in the States, but it's, you know, just university out there. Um, so the school was really hard academically. Uh, I had to maintain like a 3.2 GPA. And as a freshman coming out of high school, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't really into studying all that. Like, I just wanted to play basketball, of course. So um, I ended up flunking out. Um, you know, to me, it was a gift and a curse because then that was a it opened my mind to a lot to like, I really had to, you know, buckle down and know that if basketball doesn't work out, I need something else in here. So I ended up transferring to a junior college my sophomore year. I didn't play. I just sat out that year to get my grades up. Uh, the following year I played, took that team to the national championship. Um, then we ended up losing that year and, uh, made our first team conference again. Um, I was running up for MVP of the tournament, and I ended up getting a Division II scholarship to Chadron State College, which is in Nebraska. And I finished up my junior and senior year there. Um, we didn't really do too well there, but um, I learned a lot uh, on and off the court, mostly off the court, which is what I liked. And it was in a, a country town, so that really opened my mind to a lot of other things. And as I was leaving, a lot of the Black Lives Matter stuff was happening. And that also opened my eyes to see a lot of other true, other people's true colors 
Um, like as well as my coach, uh, I realized he was one of those real ones that I needed. And even though basketball didn't go as planned at the school, I enjoyed being there just because of the things I learned. Very, yeah. You've had a very unorthodox, if I would say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with having an unorthodox path because as long as you make it to the finish line, you make it. I think exactly. everybody has their own versions of their struggles and, you know, yours just happens to be different from somebody else's. A lot of right, people go right. straight to the league. A lot of people go straight to D1. But for you, it just didn't happen like that. But everything everything works for a reason. Everything works for a reason. Yeah. Agreed. But, you know, thank you for sharing that, just that part. You know, because I personally didn't know all of that. <laughs> I only mean, last time I knew of playing basketball was up in uh, Canada. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> last time yeah. I heard yeah. playing basketball. So hearing all of that and hearing you talking, yeah, that that's definitely news to me. So that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's a lot. Definitely a lot. <laughs> but, you know, on a day-to-day basis, like, if you are not mentally there and you have to be at practice and you have to play in games, like, how does that affect you and how do you, how do you work through that? Yeah, uh, so what I've been taught a lot um you know keep the main thing the main thing so when you're in class you know focus on class focus on that test you got coming friday but once you touch the basketball floor or whatever sport you're in football field um make that the main thing so leave all the school stuff keep that on the outside once you're at practice only practice matters when you're in the locker room only your team matters once you're on the court you know always be serious productive yeah, so mostly just keeping the main thing, the main thing. That's what I've learned. Let me ask you something. Let me let me add something to that. If there's something going on in life, let's say there's a death and it's one of your closest friends and you can't put that to the side, are you willing to step down from basketball for a certain amount of time to get your mental right? Because I know a lot of people, including me, I didn't take the time. I tried to push through it, push through it, push through it to the point where I was at a breaking point. And right. that's something that a lot of athletes do. And then by the time when they break down, it's like, what happened? Because nobody knows. Because nobody wants to take the time to just briefly, you don't have to go out and tell everything. You just have to make a brief statement, say, I'm not in it. I need to take a quick break. And when I come back, it's back to business. So are you willing mm-hmm. to you know, take that step back? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I had a breakdown like that actually my senior year, sophomore year of uh, junior college. Um, one of my close friends, he I got shot and killed, and they just left him on the side of the road with him and his girlfriend. And I just remember like that same day, I'm like, man, like I don't even want to be here. Like basketball, I don't even really matter like that. So the next day at practice, I'm just going through the motions. Like I'm not going hard. I'm not cutting hard. And coach sees that something's going on with me, but he's not saying anything. And out of nowhere, like, I just caught the ball and just threw it across the gym and just, just walked out, like, eyes bawling. And, you know, so the assistant coach, he follows me. He's like, what's going on? Like, what happened and all this? And I just broke down in front of him, let him know, like, man, coach, I'm just out of it right now. Like, my, my friend just passed away. Um, 
and you guys over here just tripping about like the game the next day and I don't even care about the game right now like I just had a tragedy and that's all I could think about at the time but you know I mean obviously it got better but once once that happens you really don't know what to do like your mind stops yeah yeah that's that's hard because I've never had a personal friend like that die but I mean when uh Gigi died you know that was hard when my grandfather died that was just as hard and those times like track was not (laughs) it was not on my mind but I mean I was exactly going through the motions and I mean back to what you said about like your coach noticed we didn't say anything you know I think at that point you know that's when having the relationship with your coach actually comes into play because like if your relationship was stronger with your coach at that point in time like I would hope that he would have said or she they would have been like take the step back leave as soon as like as soon as you walked onto the court before practice right, started, right. because I know for a fact when you walked onto that court you didn't look happy you weren't in that normal I'm here to play I'm here to practice mindset as soon as you see an athlete like that I think it's time you just sit down have a talk with them before practice starts figure out where their mindset is and if it's not to where you need it to be as a coach send them home it's okay to send them home for a day or two and exactly coaches them to do that because uh, all kids all kids go through that all athletes and yeah sometimes we need somebody to tell us go sit down and it's hard because growing up especially as black males like you know we're always taught to like oh you got to be strong you can't cry like we got to let it out, you know, and if we got to let it out on the court, on the field, whatever, it's going to come out sometime or, or someone's going to get the bad side of it where you're just going to blow up on everyone. And then that's not good for everybody. So I agree that the coach has to notice that, or the player has to take initiative and tell the coach before, if anything. Yeah. One of the main things when tragedy happens, uh, coaches, assistant coaches, other athletes, teammates, who always hear, um, or I've always heard, you know, it's going to make you stronger on the field. Which, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. that's very controversial to me because like, it does, but it doesn't. Right. You know, in one point, in one aspect, it's it's helping you, but in the other aspect, it's literally killing you on the inside to still be there. It's giving you something to train for, but it's also giving you something to train for to keep your mind busy. Right, so, right. It, it, it's one of those things where it's like, just don't say it. Even if you feel it, even if you want to say it, don't say it. Just don't say it. <laughs> just say, I'm sorry. Like that's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's all. We don't need anything extra because anything extra is going to give us more incentive to initially push harder than we should. And then that's when injuries come. The injury comes, that's it's you're struggling with mental <laughs> and then you have injury and now you're struggling with that too now you have two things right. to worry about or actually three because now you're not on the field or on the field yeah and now they're practicing which is adding more stress on the plate exactly. and so that's i don't know that's 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 one of the struggles but but um as an athlete do you think a coach can ruin can ruin your sport because I absolutely believe a coach can ruin your sport. <laughs> I've seen it happen. Yeah. Um, 
I mostly I think it depends on the sport. Like football, football that's a big thing because you know they always want football players to be tough and be aggressive and all this. But you know football players go through a lot of things that they probably can't even talk about to their coach because their coach is just always like they don't care on their on their butt by everything you know. So, um, but I think as a coach, you should always you should always care about your players first because the players are gonna. They're, they're the ones who are going to make you look like a star as a coach, you know. They make the so team. If their mental health is there properly, then, of course, their game's going to be there physically. And that's just the best of both worlds, you know. Yeah. I mean, I've seen an athlete literally go from being one of the best in the state, number one in his um, field of what he did, and tragedy hit, and his coaches weren't there for him. And then he had a breakdown, and I literally watched the breakdown because I was watching their practice because I was going to talk mm-hmm. to the team. And I watched him have a breakdown, and he never stepped foot back on the field, like ever. He is not. Wow. Bad. And like, I've talked to him a few times, and he, he always says, I regret walking off, but it was worth it. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, he's had conversations with his coaches or his old coaches, and he he hates them now, like absolutely hates them, <laughs> because even now they don't acknowledge the fact that he was struggling. They just they were constantly saying, "Oh, we need you back. I want you back." But to get me back, you have to you have to build that relationship. One, you have to understand that I'm struggling. Number two, and three, you just have to comfort me, even if it's not in your field and what you do. You have to have some sort right. of comfort because. To have somebody come back, you know, they have to feel safe. Exactly, exactly. And then that's a great point. I love that. So yeah, I mean, but that's hard. It is hard. But what's your worst fear as an athlete? Um, my worst fear as an athlete is having a a season, not even a season, a career-ending injury. Cause that's that's gonna mess with you mentally from the jump. Cause the first thing that's going through your mind is, dang, I can never play the sport again. Yeah. Even if you know you get surgery as many times, um, you can have all the support there, emotionally um, and physically. You can have everyone there with you, but you're just not gonna be. You're gonna be out of it constantly because all you know is that sport. All you know is, all right, when I'm going through something, let me go to the gym to get my mind off of it, you know? So if that's taken away from you and you have to just focus on something else, plan B, when you never had a plan B because you always, you know, was focused on plan A, that's the hardest thing to me as, as an athlete, if that would be the worst thing to me. Yeah, that's, that's a valid reason. That's probably the number one reason I've heard when I've asked other people because it's it's scary having a season ending injury. But I think that's where everybody needs to have backup plans. Mm-hmm. It, I think it's important because if I were to walk away from track right now today, I know I'm still working on my pilot's license. I know I have photography. I know like I do other things. I know I like to coach other people in long jump. So like I have other things that I can do. And yes, for a time period, I would be devastated that I had to walk away from track because I love it. Right. 
but I know that I'd still be connected to the sport because I'm going back and coaching. Or even if I didn't go back and coach, I know that I'd be okay because I have other things, I have other life goals, I have other aspects in my life that I'm trying to accomplish. And I see a lot of athletes, especially football players, and I don't mean to bash on football players, but I just know when it comes down to football, everybody's, if I don't make the NFL, I have nothing. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Do something. And I mean, I know people in track like this, I know people in basketball like this, but like the majority of people who say this are trying to make it to the NFL. Mm -hmm. it, it is heartbreaking. Yes, you can be doing anything else. Literally. Literally anything else. And the day football goes away, you're doing nothing. Right. Yeah. It's hard watching people do that. It is hard. Yeah, it's yeah. Hard. But yeah. as an athlete, I'm a sports therapist. Like, is it beneficial? I definitely think it's beneficial because as we touched on earlier, the athlete can't always go and talk to their coach, you know. Um, they can't even talk to their own teammates sometimes because the teammates might be the problem. So having someone as a, as a sports therapist, you know, that'll help big time. You can come to there. You can come to them with all your problems on the court and off the court. They, they might even help you with some school situations, you know. Uh, so having that counseling is big time because people don't, they don't even like to talk to their own parents, you know, or their boyfriend or girlfriend or significant other. So, you know, I mean, sports therapist is kind of like a stranger, but not really because they know all your business, but, you but it's it. someone you can always go to, you know, <laughs> and just, you know, yeah. just vent. Yeah, I, I've learned that a sports therapist or a therapist in general, their majority of the time, they're going to be non-biased or on your side, but even though they're on your side, they're still going to judge you. Right, right. That's people because the judgment is scary, but it's like you need that judgment because they're bringing you back to reality. Exactly. And, you know, you're going here and reality's here, and they just need to slowly bring you back. And people are scared of that. They're scared to go talk to somebody, at least their emotions. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like, for what? <laughs> you're holding on to something, and it's not doing anything for you. And the number one excuse I've heard when I've asked people about this is it's always, that's my drive. My pain is my drive. You can still use your pain as your drive and still have a therapy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's exactly. exactly, yeah. Like, the pain is always going to be a part of you. Yeah, it never goes away, like at all, ever. <laughs> You're, right. You can be 80, 80 years old and I'll, like, I know when I'm 70, I'll still be crying with my great-grandmother. I had a great relationship with her. Great. Like, I know that for a fact. Like, one of her birthday right. passes, like Christmas, New Year's. Uh, we used to drive up to see her random, um, random days just to go see her. And it's like, that's the relationship I had with her. And I thank my parents for, you know, giving me that relationship because without that relationship, I wouldn't understand the woman that she is and the woman that she was. But, you know, that I, those are the things that drive me. And, you know, yeah, I have a this. Yeah, I talk to them. But it still drives me on the track. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, people are scared, and I don't I don't get it. It's yeah, I don't get it either. <laughs> it's, it's really nothing to be scared about. Like, if 
they're they're there to benefit you. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. you know, but I mean, people are gonna do what they do, and hopefully, you know, podcasts like this or other people doing something similar or anything, you know, it helps people realize that, like you need to understand mental health is just as important as physical. Exactly. It starts at the top too, you know, because I mean, some people's parents, they're still battling through a lot of stuff as yeah, childhood drama. that they were going to when they were kids, you know, so, and it always trickles down to the kids, grandkids and all that. So it's definitely worthwhile. Yeah, it is. And I also think that's when like religion comes into play. Because without, without God, I know other people who are watching have other religions, but for my sake, I'm going to say, I'm going to say God because I'm Christian. So without God, right. I know that a lot of things in my life wouldn't have happened. And I know that praying and just literally praying has done a lot for me. Even if it didn't result to what I wanted, it still gave me something that I needed. Exactly. I, I absolutely love that. So, you know, but that, that leads into my next question. Um, you know, actually, nah, let me tweak that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Since, yeah, I'll, I'll say it like this. How does God play a role in your life outside of the sport? Can you say that again? How does God play a role in, in your life outside of, in, outside of your sport? That's a good question. Um, I think he plays a big role because um, I truly believe everything happens for a reason, you know, and to me, God is always that reason. So even if you don't pray on it, you always think back and be like, well, why didn't that happen? And then once you realize why it didn't happen, you're like, dang, okay, God really saved me from that. Because, you know, you, you have no other perspective to go off on. Um, this is like me saying, like, it was it was good for me to leave Canada. Um, like even if I didn't think it was good, uh, you know, God had a better purpose for me. So me being in the States, you know, that benefited me a lot more than being in another country. And I always thank God for that. So, you know, I always pray on him for everything, for everything I need, whether it's school, relationship, uh, parenting, counseling, you know, I always go to him. <laughs> I make sure I get my sermon in every morning, uh, right before I work out. Uh, when I'm in the shower, listening to, uh, you know, Transformation Church, everything, you know, <laughs> just just trying to always keep God in my life. So I feel like without him, I wouldn't even be playing basketball, to be honest. Yeah, I 100% agree, you know. <laughs> I think that a lot of people, I, I, or let me say it like this, a lot of people get tattoos. And I'm one of them. And a lot of people like to do the praying hands tattoo. And <laughs> like it's, it's one of the major tattoos I see when it comes down to basketball and football. It's always on somebody's body on the court or on the field. Like it's always going to be their hands down. But then when yeah. you ask them what their, what their relationship is with God or just their relationship with Christ in general, it turns into, I don't have a relationship. Or, you know... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I mean, and it's like, why would you get that tattered on your body 
and right, right, forever, right. forever on you, and you don't have a relationship. And I'm not saying you can't build your relationship, but it's like you don't have a relationship. Why is this on your body? And, exactly. And that's where that disconnect with people or athletes in general with their vision. And then I gotta, but then also have a high regard and respect for people who have a strong hold on their vision, and they are. They always show God, like even on the court, on the field, on the track, like they always praise God. Like mm-hmm. One thing you see on, on the track, especially in like the 100 and 200, or when anybody's getting into blocks, they always, they always want to do something to praise God and, you know, cover them for this race. And I do it. I just do it in my head. I don't do it out loud. Or I don't do progress. But, you know, I think, yeah, that's just something that, you know, religion plays a part in, but people don't, people don't get it, people don't understand, people don't understand that religion, mental health, your physical health, like, they're all in time, it's, it's yeah, they all correspond, (laughs) you can't escape one without the other, you know, you need all three to be at your best, and it doesn't matter what religion you are, or if you serve God, or what God you serve, you know, they all play a part, but you know what do you what do you believe an athlete needs like everything they need to take care of them and help them prepare for like season seasonal hardships because i know that like when i mean seasonal hardships i mean like for me when Gigi died like during that time it's a seasonal depression it's not real mm-hmm. complete depression but it's seasonal depression like i mean hardships like that um i think having motivational goals before the season occurs um that helps a lot because your goals are always different from the next person and it's always different from what your coach expects from you too um but i say always write that down you know read back on it go through it every day to make sure that you're reaching towards that goal and you don't have to tell people what your goal is but you can hold them accountable for it so they can hold you accountable for yours you know yeah. And same thing goes for the coach. Um, that's why they're always so rowdy unless they expect a certain um, effort from you. So, you know, you have to you have to meet that expectation. And, you know, sometimes you might have to tell the coach, like, look, this is what I'm expecting. Um, he might not agree with you, but he's going to respect you because yeah, he's, you have a different a different goal in life than the other players or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I get that. Uh, do you know what it means to be consistently good? And um, why does that equate to like you being great as who you are? It doesn't matter if it's on the field or off the field or whatever else you're going to like. Yeah, um, I feel like being consistently good. Um, I don't believe in, in being great because everyone fails, you know, yeah. but I feel like you can be consistently good if you stick to your roots. Um, of course, always praise God, do your daily routines, eat right, read, um, educate yourself always. Then you're just going to expand your mind to other aspects of life. And that's going to help you consistently in everything. Cause like me, uh, when I was in school, I hated school, of course. You know, everyone does. Yeah. Once I was out of school, 
started reading a lot more, um, learning about financial freedom, just learning about everything that I would have never learned in school. So I believe doing that, it just opens your mind to everything else. And, you know, that, that always helps to just expand your knowledge. Yeah. All right, now let me ask you about this on, on the court. So do you know what it means to be consistent? Would you rather be consistently good on the court or occasionally great? Because I think that's an important question. That is that no, that's a great question actually. Um, <laughs> I would I would go with consistently good still, because everyone's everyone already knows what you're gonna bring if you're consistently good. Yeah. But you know if you're great one night, if then the next night you super off, then you know they're like, dang, I don't, I wonder what we're gonna get from him today. Um, if you're if you're good one night. And then you're great the next night. And then really bad the night after that. The crowd's like, man, he's he's a fluke. He just had that good game. We don't know what we're gonna get from him, you know. So it's gonna be an up and down roller coaster from the crowd. If you're consistently good, um, like Kawhi Leonard, he's consistently good, you know. And so <laughs> everyone's like, all right, we know what he's gonna do tonight. He's gonna play his role. And if he drops 30, then that's a great night for him. But he's also going to give you 23, and that's still good. Yeah. You know? And then you have, you know, Paul George. I mean, it has <laughs> yeah. Clippers is my team. It, that's my team. <laughs> it's like Paul George, EG. <sighs> Missing free throws. Right. Yeah, like, see, like, he's occasionally great. <laughs> he's occasionally yeah, great. And it's like, oh. But it's like, we know how good of an athlete you are. We've mm-hmm. seen you be on the Pacers. We've seen you. We've seen you do amazing things for the sport, and then playoffs. <laughs> like, right, right. <laughs> you had one game when you went for forty, and then the next game you ain't do forty. You ain't do thirty. You definitely didn't Man. do twenty. You was like thirteen. And it's like Luke Kennard can thir- can score thirteen. Points. Exactly, and that's exactly. acceptable for him because. It, it's just acceptable for him for the role that he's playing. But when you right. become a big star, it's like you have to be consistently good. Like Michael Michael Jordan, his consistently good was great for <laughs> a lot of players. Like they're great. Right, right. Is his consistently good? Everybody's consistently good is different. Everybody's great is different. But to actually be there every day as an athlete doesn't matter what sport you have to be consistently good. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm mm-hmm. actually happy you said consistently good because I've asked somebody this and they and they, uh, they said I want to be occasionally great, and I had to ask them. I was like, do you know what it means to be occasionally great? And they said no, and I had to have a real conversation <laughs> with anybody, and they were they were in shock about what it really meant. And I was like, yeah, you're not gonna. You're not gonna make it being occasionally great because occasionally great means everything else you do that's not great is trash. <laughs> it's not it's exactly. not worth being out there on that track on the field on the court. It's not worth the coach's time. It's not you're not worth the money. You'll last. Yeah, no, that's a great time. point. It's a great point. Yeah. But you know, um, as an athlete, you know, if all else fails and you don't make it like if you just don't make it, would you go back and coach to stay connected to the sport? Um, I always tell myself no, but you know, the older I get, it's hard. It's harder to get away from the sport because I know it so well. Um, 
but it's crazy because actually after this year, I was offered two coaching jobs, um, one for uh, a junior, not junior, uh, JV uh, head coaching job, and then to be a grad assistant at an Oregon or to be an assistant at the junior college I actually played at. So but I was thinking, I was like, I don't know, like, it's not really for me. It's it's kind of it's a stressful job at times. Yeah. And I also wanted to keep playing. But, you know, the older I get, probably when I have kids, you know, then I start coaching my own kids. I'm probably going to want to go back and coach, of course, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, think every, I think every athlete, they should coach for at least a year just to give back to the sport. That yeah. <laughs> that literally raised them, you know, like outside of your parents and your village, like your sport is literally raising them. They're, it doesn't matter if it's the coach or your teammates, they're affecting your mindset. They're affecting what you do on and off the court. They play a part. So I think like every, every athlete needs to go back for at least a year mm-hmm. and get back. Like I know for me, like I'm gonna do like my like my uh, like my coach my pal and I'm gonna go back and coach after I finish. It doesn't matter if I make it all the way and I turn pro or if I just end up going for collegiate. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna go back and coach at some point in my life because one, I enjoy it, and two, I want to get back. Like I yeah, think, I think what I've learned as of mine, well, now 18 year old self, you know, I think that everything that I've learned, I can. I can give back to somebody and let them continue to build upon what I've learned. So everything that my high school coach and everything that my side coach and my college taught me, like I've built on that. And I want to, I want to see that grow. I want to see somebody take over what I've learned, what they've taught me and watch them turn it into something that I couldn't do. Like, I think that's. Yeah. I, I didn't even, I didn't even look at it from that perspective, but yeah, no, you're right. I like that. Yeah, so and I, it's also you just you're just getting more experience too, yeah. you know. Yeah, you'll you'll be learning things that you didn't learn when you played, and you'll be like, "Dang, I wish I learned this when I played." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I've seen I've seen it happen. I've seen coaches, and they're they're just like, "Why didn't I have you as a coach when they beat like an assistant coach or another coach?" And like, I needed you as a coach when I played, and I think that's when regret hits. But it's also like. Now let's combine what we've learned and teach it to these kids so they can be better than what we were. Yeah. As long as that coach has that kind of mindset. Because some coaches is going for it for the money. And <laughs> I think that's when coaches start to, you know, ruin your uh, they start to ruin the sport for you when they when they're just there for the money. Or when they lose love for the game. Yeah. You know? Right, right. Like if like they're, they're still they're holding back um ties from when they played and yeah. They're just trying to rub it off on you, but you know everyone's got their own journey. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've seen coaches where all they do is post like highlights, and they talk about <laughs> my highlights, my highlights, you know, back in my heyday. Sir, <laughs> your heyday is over. Your coaching, <laughs> right? Like it's it's done. It's okay. We understand the athlete that you were. You, know, you went and played for this college. You, know? you made it. You still have friends that went farther than you. You know. All right. That's it. That's all we need to hear. You know, show us a highlight at the beginning of the season. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> We're good. Unless you know you're Carl Lewis, unless you're Mike Tom, unless you're Michael Jordan. At that point, you know, Brad all you want. You know, Damian Lillard, you know, um, Bradley Bill, like the speech that he did for his athletes, like I uh, yeah, yeah. Speech. Like that was a great speech because 
a lot of kids don't want to put in that work. <laughs> they want, <laughs> they just want to be there and you know assume they're great and you know they get their butt whooped and it's like, oh, I got work to do. And you know when he said, I think it was um, none of you guys can beat because we have to play against people like me or play against yeah. me in the league. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but like just that, you know, it, it, it put it puts it into perspective, especially you know for me because it's like, oh. You know, I'm going to, you know, I want to break Mike Powell's record. Like, I'm, I've said that hands down the time. I want to break it. But, you know, I have to get past people who are pro right now. I'm right. going to have to get past them. Because pro for me can look like the next three years, four years, five years. I can go all through, I can go all four years in college, or I can turn pro in college. It doesn't, you never know what happens. So I'll have to get past a lot of other great athletes just to be able to just to be able to have my namesake in that realm, you know. Yeah, that's well said. Yeah, there's different levels of people who who are great. And not everybody's great for the reason that they want to be great. You know, some somebody can be the worst longer forever, but their technique can be beautiful. And that's what mm-hmm. people are crazy for. Somebody can be the second best, third best jumper in the world, and their technique is horrible, but they'll get praised for being the third best. Everybody gets praised for different reasons. Right. I, I pride myself on technique. That's something I love to do. I, my approach on the runway, the way I jump, like I pride myself on technique. So I hope that one day you know, I can look back on videos or I can show the athletes that I'm gonna coach because I will coach. I want to show them like the videos, not to show them that like I did this, but to show them the technique of it. Because it's it's hard to show technique when you can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. But you know, yeah, that's that's something that I love. But you know, back to coaches though, since we're already sort of on the topic. Um, if you if you have a good relationship with your coach, um, and you see that they're struggling. How do you tweak your personality? Well, not necessarily tweak your personality, but how do you help them? Like, because them, when they're struggling, they're not always the best coaches. <laughs> Just like when we're yeah. struggling, we're not the best athletes. So how do you, how do you treat your coaches and let them know that whatever you want, it's okay. You have to learn how to not take what they're saying to heart because they will say some hurtful things. <laughs> they will. They will. <laughs> they will. <laughs> And it's gonna be yeah. your coaches are already, you know, one of the yellers, you know, they're they're in their feelings or something's going on in their life, it's gonna go up times ten. You have to know like you can't take that personally. So how do you how do you how do you do with that? Yeah, so the way I would help, um, I would really like I was always a captain, you know. So I was already kinda like the coach on the floor. Um, but I would just, you know, step it up a notch, um, initiate everything start practice on my own, get all the guys ready, get them in a huddle, let them know what we're going to do today, how to work, let them know that, you know, coach is not there, you know, cut them some slack. We do everything right. We might get out early or we might not have to run at the end of practice or something little like that. So I'm playing those little seeds in other teammates' minds to help the coach keep saying, um, you know, so he's not going ballistic on the other people that he usually would. I think that would help a lot. Because, you know, you always have those people on the team that they just want to goof off or they don't want to work hard that day and all they care about is girls and, you know, going to eat and catch this. And 
you know, and, and a lot of coaches, they don't want to hear that every day. They just want to get there, get their work done. And they, you know, a lot of them have families too. They want to get back yeah. home to their families. Um, so like an example I had, um, like my, my last coach, he was having issues at home, um, but like none of the players knew. And, but like, I kind of knew because I had the, you know, I could just feel the vibe from him. It yeah. was, it was a little off unusual. So, you know, I asked him, I was like, this, this of course outside of practice, but I asked him, I was like, yo, coach, is, you know, is everything good with you? You just been seeming down lately. He was like, yeah, um, me and my wife just going through some things. You know, she's tired of living here. Our kids aren't liking it anymore. And, you know, it was a big adjustment for him especially being somewhere like I was where there's not a lot to do, very small minded people, um, a lot of rednecks, no offense, you know, but yeah. he couldn't handle that and his family couldn't handle it. So, you know, all that led into his house relationship and him and his wife were bickering. Um, luckily they fought through it. Um, they're, they're still good now. And they ended up leaving of course, and he got a better job. And he always, he always told me like, whatever, whenever I'm having a bad day, I always come back. And, you know, I, I looked at him differently from then. I was like, yeah, I, I really like him. I could rock with him. And to see that he kept his faith and he kept praying on it. And he knew times would be better. He ended up getting a better job in less than six months. And I was like, wow, like, he was just going through it, you know, crying in front of the team, all this. And next thing you know, he's moving and his family is happy. His kids are going to college. They're getting scholarships. And it's, it's just good to see. Yeah. I think everybody has to endure hardships for a point of time, you know. And there's going to be multiple times where, you know, you're going to struggle. But I think everybody has to go through something. You know, it, it, it does strengthen you. It does make you yeah. a better person, a better athlete, or a better coach. Doesn't matter which one, probably all three. You know, <laughs> you come you do you do come out better. But you know, that, that will that does kind of lead into my next question. So do you know the mindset of an athlete coach? Because you said that, you know, you were captain, so you were already, you know, partially coaching. Because once you become captain, you're coaching. <laughs> you may not realize yeah. it, but you're coaching. Yeah. And you're helping Definitely. everybody, and you're you're literally taking a part of the coach's job and making it easier for them. So, do you yeah. know the difference? Yeah, um, I don't really know if I know the difference, but I can feel the difference sometimes. Because, um, like, when you're around the team, you kind of always have to be the adult in the room, even when you want to have fun and joke mm -hmm. off with the guys. You yeah. you kind of always have to be serious and. Let them know, like, hey, make sure you're studying, staying on top of your books and all this. Even when you're in the locker room, hey, watch your language, you know, if we're in a visiting team, you know, be be mindful. Kids are around. Don't curse, all this. Um, you kind of just have to initiate everything that the coach would actually say or do when he's around. But instead, you're the one who's doing it. But then you also have your personal meetings with the coach. So, you know, he's asking you, um, you know, so how are the guys feeling this week? You think we went too hard on them last week and all this? And having that player-coach relationship is good because you can always keep the honesty with him. And he, he'll always be honest with you, of course, if he likes you. And that would just help 
the team becomes stronger or any certain individual becomes stronger if the coach always initiates, you know, one person like, hey, I need you to be that guy, the captain or the athlete coach, you know, or the coach on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good answer. Good answer. Um, but that does lead back to like relationship with coaches because mm-hmm. <laughs> without that relationship, they're, they're probably going to be the worst coach ever for you. Right, for right. They could be, be the best coach for somebody else, but without that relationship, like <laughs> you just, your experience there won't be good. And it doesn't matter how you try and, you know, make up for it or, you know, compensate for it. <laughs> you're not going to have a good experience. And luckily <laughs> yeah. for me, you know, I've had the same coach since basically I started running track. Uh, I started out with that West Coast Gazelles and then I transferred to Rising Stars. So, yeah, I've, I've been with her, what was that, nine, ten years, something like that. Wow, and, yeah. Yeah, you know, it started off, you know, as I was I was younger, so, like, I didn't have that great relationship because, you know, I'm young. You know, I'm just here, you know, I'm seven, eight years old. I'm just out here to run. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I get to run and have fun. But then, you know, as like time went on, you know, we got more um, competition started getting more and I actually started to get better. It was like, oh, I'm going to actually coach you now. And then once that, and then once that hits, you know, it's like, you need to have some sort of relationship. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, a simple one, but some sort of relationship. Like if you can't call your coach on their birthday and tell them happy birthday, or they can't call you on your birthday and tell you happy birthday, <laughs> that's a horrible coach. <laughs> yeah, they are not a good coach at all. And I think people like need to realize that. Like you don't have to be like the way me and my coaches are, we're like the family. Like just have some sort of bond. You know, some sort of bond. And I, I think that's when like team bonding exercises come in. It's track, we don't do team bonding. <laughs> it's <laughs> not it's not a team sport like most people think. Like yeah, we practiced together. Yeah, we trained together. Especially in high school where I came from, like, it wasn't a team sport. And the only reason, like, we called each other family because we've been with each other since club. But if it wasn't okay. that, I was, like, yeah. just meeting them for the first time, I'd be like, oh, I don't necessarily like you. <laughs> but I'm going to run with you because we're on the same team. And You're right. But for me, you know, I had to learn, like, on the court and on the track, like, I respect you as a runner. I don't have to like who you are, but I respect you as a runner. And that was enough for me to make the season because my senior year, I didn't want to be there at all. No, no, like that's a very, very few people on that track and on that field that I was like, I'm rocking with you. But some people stepped it up. Some people took some, a few steps down. <laughs> but for the people that did step it up, like I, I praise them. I respect them as who they are as athletes. But outside of that, you know, I'm not going to say I hate them because I don't, but we're not, we're not friends. And, you know, maybe if we had team bonding you know, throughout club track and throughout high school track, maybe that would be different. But we didn't have team bonding outside of, you know, the times when we traveled and the coaches would cook. And that yeah. also plays back to like having a relationship with the coaches because not all coaches are going to do that for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for real though. My coach would come up and, you know, we were at a hotel and he, he'd go down to the grill and he'd talk about ribs, wings, rice, all these things. And it's like, oh, you actually cooking for us. And uh, we had the relationship with him. Like, you do one good run, you get a slap, you get a slap of ribs. 
Like not every coach <laughs> does that for you. He was doing that for us. Like that's why we stayed with him. That's why we loved him and her. We loved both of our coaches. So it doesn't matter how many times you got into an argument, they're family. You know, we have a relationship to where we can go back and forth, we can bicker. But at the end of the day, we're gonna come back and do what we need to do for the sake of me as an athlete and for the sake of them as a coach. Right, exactly. You know? But you know, what are some things you know you loved about your coaches? Like it doesn't matter what coach it was, like something that you absolutely loved about your coaches and you know, you want in your next coach or if you end up coaching, you want to be everything for your athletes. Yeah. Um, I said one thing I love um, is mostly outside of basketball is that, is that they, they just always kept it real, you know, whether the truth hurt or not, they let me know like, Hey, you playing like crap today, or, you know, you're not having a good day or you play really well today or, you know, telling me about someone else that because they can't approach them a certain way that they need me to go and tell them this and make it look like it came from me and not the coach, you know? So I think just always having them keep it real with me, that helped me a lot in life. And then that also trickled onto the court and it helped me a lot on the court because I knew I could always, even if I played bad, I knew I could go back and talk to the coach and be like, all right, so like what I do to cause me to play so bad, you know, like, can we go and watch film and can you let me know what I did so it won't happen again. And so that we can, you know, potentially move on from it or whatever. Um, but a lot of, a lot of the things I really love about coaches always came off the court because, you know, on the court, I always, I mean, not to sound cocky, but I always did my, my thing, you know, and I always worked hard. And, you know, they never really had to talk to me about giving effort and having the right attitude and the right approach to when I come to practice. But, you know, off the court, I would I would have my days, you know, I wouldn't want to be talked to it. Um, I was hard to talk to at times. I would mess up in class. You know, I just wouldn't take it serious as I should have. And a lot of them let me know, like, look, if, if you really want to make it, this is what you're going to have to do. Yeah. And. You know, a lot, a lot of nights crying, uh, good and bad, but it always helped in the end, you know. Yeah. Now, what are some things you hate about your coaches? Because everybody, it doesn't matter what coach it was, it could have been your favorite coach in the world, but there's something that you absolutely hate. Like, everybody has it. I, I know I have it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I say a lot of things that I hate is the way that they don't treat everyone the same, you know, like it's not them being fake, but it's like, I know you can, you can be a little nicer to this person, even though he's not a good player, you can still treat him good as a person. You know, you don't have to treat him a certain way or talk to him like he's a little kid when he's an adult and all this. Cause you know, at the end of the day, that person is going to be like, dang, like what's wrong with me? And when in reality, it's really probably not him. It's probably just the coach. Just, sure. The coach just sees uh, probably one of his old teammates inside of him, and he automatically doesn't like him for some odd reason. And, and a lot of coaches aren't like that. But a lot of them also hold grudges just because, you know, they, they never were able to succeed at anything. Okay. And, yeah, that, that just never – it's never a good vibe when the other player sees the coach treating another player a different way than they would treat them. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I've I've seen it firsthand, and I mean, yeah, this person was a great, great athlete, but <laughs> they didn't take they they didn't they didn't practice. Let's, let's just put it like that. They didn't practice. They didn't put in the work. You know, they had one great year, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, no. I'm the best. I don't care what anybody says. I'm not going to practice. I'm not going to do this, this, and that. And then when they get beat, it's like, oh, now let me practice. But then coach is already playing favorites with you. And, you know, they slacking off practice with you joking around. And it's like, hey, I'm over here. Like, I, I still need help. <laughs> you know? You're right, you're right. Supposed to, you're supposed to be training. And then it's like, yo, like, <laughs> where did my coach go? Like, why are you getting, why are you getting, this treatment and I mean I can't even get the simple basics as to know what the workout is like, yeah, yeah like you couldn't you couldn't even bother to give me the workout before you started to mess around with this with this athlete who's sitting here not doing anything yeah right <laughs> and then and then they still get to go out there on the court on the track and compete and it's like what yeah it's like why is that fair you know Makes you makes you really question your inner ability. I'm like, yeah. it, it messes with a lot of people's minds. I've seen a lot of people just quit sports just because of that, and, yeah. and it's sad to see. But you know, it's also life. It is, and I mean, that's when as an athlete, you have two options: you can either a work through it, or b quit. Like, there's, yeah, you know what? There's no in between. Because even if you're there talking about, oh, you know, I'm thinking about quitting, but you're still showing up to practice, you're working through it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you are still working through it. But eventually, that person will probably quit. And it, it hurts because, yeah. you know, they, they possibly could have been a better athlete than the one that you're praising at the moment. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. You, you miss your opportunity. Or when they quit and go to another sport, or when they quit and find another coach, and it's like, oh, now you're like, oh, wait. What did I do? They're they're doing everything better than this person, this person, this person, and it's like right. You ruined your opportunity, you know. But you know, my last question for you, man. Um, <laughs> what are your future goals and your future plans, and how are you how are you setting up yourself to continue playing? Yeah, um, so my future goals as of right now, um, they're pretty short term. But I plan on being starting point guard right away. Uh, I'll work in everyone, of course. Um, being, being captain automatically, even though it would be my first year, you know. And then right after that, that five-month season, I'm being shipped right to Australia and playing right away as well. And, I mean, it's not really a big goal, but it'll lead to bigger goals for me. Sure. So... Um, I guess that's just always going to keep me motivated. Um, it, that I just always look at the big picture. I never really focus on what's at hand right now because, you know, like you said earlier, I always pray on it. So, and I've been praying on this probably since I was seven years old, you know, and it's just now starting to happen. So obviously I'm doing something right. Um, so, yeah, just really small goals. Um I also have backup plans just in case basketball doesn't work out, um, you know, like even if it was coaching, but also um, I just got my business license and all this. So, you know, I can always start a business with everything if basketball didn't work out. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really about it. 
Uh, I'm really trying to focus on plan A first before, you know, plan B comes into play because my plan B will really be focused on plan A if I can have the financial funds from plan A to use on plan B. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. And Thanks for having me, really man. I appreciate it.